All right, here we are. How are you guys doing today? Are you ready for the word? Man, if we haven't met before, like it said, my name is Quincy. You can call me Q. Makes it really easy for you. At, at home, at church, at EC, everyone calls me PQ. And um, it, it works when you, when you got like that, that boss name that starts with a Q, right? You know, I didn't think so when I was 10 years old, but it's worked out. I want to introduce you to my family. Here we got a photo of my family, just so you guys can kind of see, because you'll see that, like, the better half is not here today. Um, my beautiful wife, Mandy, and I got three kids. Ethan, Alexa, Elise, 10, 8, 6. We uh, didn't really plan to get it every two years, but it worked out. No, hey right? So it's, it's good. Our kids, um, you know, just like this house, our kids are serving at the church. My, my oldest is serving today, 10 years old. He's an easy kid. He, he serves in toddlers, and he crushes it, you know. He crushes it. My wife is serving as well right now, uh, I think in infants class. So, you know, we're, we're all in, right? We showed up on the very first Sunday of EC. I told my wife the night before, a friend texted me about a church starting right down the street from us. And I said, if it has a nice website, we'll go. And uh, must have had a nice enough website because we showed up. Uh, it's been an honor and a, and a privilege to serve on the pastoral team for seven years at EC. Um, I, I serve as the executive pastor there so that basically you ask me what I do, it changes every day. It's, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, I oversee all the staff, our expansion, all that kind of stuff. I, I get to serve on the board here. And you guys have an incredible church. Like truly, truly, truly an incredible church. You have amazing pastors. Amazing family, a pastoral couple that loves the Lord and loves the church, and their family does as well. That's like that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Don't don't forget the blessing that you have and the leadership that you already have. And uh, they're they're on their way back, and I know they would love to be here today. And my, my desire is to honor the platform that's been built already in this house, not just physically, because yes, you guys have done that in the last year, but just like honor what has been built even spiritually in this house. It's an incredible church that you have here. I was told that you guys broke a thousand people for Easter. Come on. You know, somebody was like counting the, like the babies that are like <laughs> yet to be born. <laughs> you know, there's like, someone told me it was a thousand and two. I've been there. I've been there. It's like, you're counting, it's like someone walking across the street, the parking lot. It's like, that, we just broke a thousand. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, right? You got it. It sells good. Uh, we're going to jump into it right here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 17 will be kind of our key verse today. And um, it's in a NIV, and I want to read this really quickly, and I want to go into it. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Man, that's like someone could say amen right there because <laughs> the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity today to be able to share your word. I just pray right now that my words just fall aside and your word sits deep into everybody's heart and mind in Jesus' name. Amen. As I read this verse, I, I think a bit about my life. Um, 
you know, I, I've been known growing up as someone who's extremely spontaneous and um, who just kind of jumps into things deep end all the way. And as you guys know, and being like a portable church, there's a lot of fun stories you have of being a portable church. Like we were portable for seven years. We got our building in uh, 2018, December 2018. I found this space. 2019, we were able to get the zoning and we started to build. We moved in the week before COVID hit. So it was a blessing, major blessing. We were in three locations. We had three separate rentals happening up until COVID. We had to consolidate all of our efforts into there. God's been good. He's been growing, not just your church, but our church as well. And so we're excited. We had a massive Easter service as well. It was great. Our largest single service in our building was last week. God is at the move. But you know, there's some stories, right? There's some stories. You guys like stories, right? You got to have the, the stories, not the, like the lead pastor stories, the executive pastor stories, the other ones, right? See, my pastor and I, we're really good friends. He's my pastor, but he's also a really good friend of mine, Pastor Jonathan. And um, we, I kind of coined this phrase that we're like bad boys for life because we've ran into a few things over our days of church already, 10 years in. Uh, in 2016, on a, on a Thursday morning, we found out two of our trailers worth 200 grand were stolen. Um, gone. You know, like at that time, we didn't have like extra trailers, <laughs> let alone extra gear. We pulled it together. We did church on that Sunday. We, people came together. They worked all night putting rigs together, lights together, cafe gear, all the stuff, kids stuff together. We pulled it off. We were still able to do church on Sunday. A couple weeks later during church, we had a couple services going on. It would be in between services. I was at the front door just saying hi to people being the hype squad, you know how it is, and uh, the police show up. The police show up, and they tell us, hey, we found one of your trailers, good news. Oh, that's great, that's awesome. But it's just on the outside of the city, and everything that was inside was lit on fire. <laughs> like, it's a true story, right? So we're like, I'm like, cool. Um, so I, I sent some guys over there to kind of salvage what they could. There wasn't really much that you could salvage. Um, it was like a lot of gas and a lot of fire. And um, so, you know, whatever, that, that's the way it was. A few weeks later, we're, I, I get a message from a guy that says, hey, I heard that some of your gear was stolen, and I think I might have some of it. And I, I own a rental shop in town. I, I, it operates from my house. My house is actually really close to your church. Would you want to come and check this out after service? So I was like, yeah, bad boys for life. Let's go. So, so we go. We check it out. We show up to this guy's uh, garage, he opens it up, we find a, a variety of things, our drum kit, our in-ears, all the stuff that was basically ours, all the serial numbers are ours. He's like, he's like super, he's superstitious, he's like, man, this is like stolen from a church, I don't want this, you take it back. <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to get some bad karma or something, you know, like he didn't, he's like, I don't want this. So we, 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 we reloaded up, and I just had this weird idea, I was just like, hey, do you remember where you bought this from? And he's like, well, yeah, it was on the back of like a, a flatbed out in the country somewhere. I'm like, hey, do you think you could show me where that is? And uh, in, in a moment, I, I didn't use any rationale. I just, <laughs> this guy said, I think I might remember. And I said, bonus, that's good enough for me. I'll follow you. So we followed this guy out of the city on some grid roads, not realizing that I've literally only known this guy for like 11 minutes. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be murdered or what. I don't know what's going on. We show up to a house. He's like, this is the house. It is super Sketchville. Like, there's dogs on chains. Like, everything is just like, it's wrong. You know, like, I'm not saying I like 
dogs equal like criminal. But it just was like, this, this vibe was not good. And I'm like, it's a long lane. I can see it. And then I'm taking photos. So then I, I send it over to um, the officer that's like, you know, the detective that's kind of figuring out the case. And they're like, get out of there right now. Like, this, this, this area is known for criminal activity, armed robbery. They have weapons. What are you doing? I was like, I had to, like, slowly tell my wife that story. And remind, then, then a couple of years later, we get our building. And you know how it is. You're, you're, you're building it out. We, we bought an old pallet factory. Like, you know, you, you start getting desperate when you're getting a pallet factory turning into a church. But, you know, it's cool, though is that just this week, I was talking to somebody that his dad owned the land in 1973 and was going to be surprised that his dad would know that that's now a church. Like, how cool is it that we're redeeming land for the purpose of God? Right? Anyways, sidebar, right? So then we got we had this pallet factory that we're turning to a church, getting all the, the grossness out, and construction started. And during that construction stage, we know how it is. Theft is bad. People want to break in. They want to steal stuff, tools, all that kind of things. And so it already happened once that there was a break-in right into the, the building and stole a bunch of the contractor's tools. We felt so bad. We also felt like, well, why'd you leave it there? You know, like, you know, like it was like one of those things. So we decided one of the first things we did was put alarm system up. Put alarm system up. Myself and my pastor were the closest, like, in distance to the church. I lived the closest um, to the church, to any other staff member, so I'm like first priority on the on the phone call list, right? You know how it is. It's like, oh, he's close. Let's call him. So I already know that when I get a call from the alarm company, I, I have the phone the number saved in it, so I know it's them. I know when it's happening. So I'm I'm pulling back up to my house. It's like a Wednesday night. It's like 10 o'clock, 10:30 at night. I'm pulling up. I, I just came back from a meeting, and I'm just walking up the steps to my house, and I can see the alarm call, the alarm company calling. So I answer it right away, and they say. Hey, there's somebody in your building right now. The front door has been tripped. There's multiple, like, sensors that have been tripped. This isn't just, like, a random, like, you know, the lock wasn't closed. Like, something's going on. I'm like, call the police. Get it going. Let's go. I get off that call. Literally the second I get off that call, it's pastor calling me. And he's like, hey, someone's in the building. Let's go. (laughs) I'm like, I didn't even walk into my house. I touched my door handle. I turned around. I'm like, he was at my doorstep. We live really close to each other. A minute later, we jump in. We're flying. We're, we're cruising. Like, we were made for this. You know, our vehicle, maybe not. <laughs> you know, just like bottoming up. We're just going for it. We're going. It's like red lights. I don't know. Maybe we went through. And we, we just did it. We're like, we're going we're, we're gonna to crush it. We know that we got response time like no other. We get there in 11 minutes. That is mind-blowing. That is so fast. We're so proud of ourselves. We're flying down the road. And you know when you make a decision really fast, but you don't think what you're doing until you're in the decision? You know? Hopefully that wasn't marriage for you. You know, like... Some of you are like, oh, it's like parenting. I think that's just parenting in general, right? Like, let's try for kids. And it's like, dear Lord. Um, we're flying down the road, right? And we're getting close to the building enough that we're starting now, like the adrenaline's wearing off, but it's like new adrenaline. And it's also like that, that mind, that your mind is starting to be like, what should we do? Like, what if there actually is someone there? Like, we didn't really think through that. And I'm like, we got this. You know, we're just like, we're, we're just like cheering each other on. We're, we're, we're going for it. We can see now ahead of us 
there, we can see the building, and there's a van in the parking lot. So now this is getting real. We know that there's a van there. We, we know someone is in the lot. And because we had a gated lot, so someone could, should have been able to get in. Like, they shouldn't have been able to get in. So we, we're, we're flying up to it. We're like, we got this. We come into the parking lot. Uh, this might be overdramatized, but it just, let's just go with me for a second, right? And we're sliding on that gravel. I feel kind of like an action star at this point. You know, I'm, I'm opening the door before it's fully done. My seatbelt, I don't even know if I had it on. And I'm, I'm out, and I'm looking for something behind the seat. It's in pastor's vehicle just to, to bring some intimidation. I don't even know what I'm grabbing, and I jump out, and it's a snowbrush. <laughs> I got this. And I jump out, and I can see there's two guys, dark shadow, kind of right by the door. Hey! Just waving my snowbrush. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, like, you got to be loud, right? Like, you want to intimidate someone, you just got to, you got to pretend like you're the man. And I was like, what, what's going on? I'm just like, I'm losing my brain, right? They're just like, they're, they're sketched out. They don't know what's going on. It is, they're tripping. We box them in. We park right behind them. We got this. We're there before the police. We're there before the security company. Bad boys for life. In that moment, I'm starting to realize, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> like, so we start talking to them. It's, they're, they're clearly flustered. The alarm is blaring in the background. They're feeling like all, all stressed out. I don't know what's going on. There's three of them, two of us. One of them is in the back of the van. I don't know what's happening. They take off, literally just drive away. I'm like taking photos of their license plate. I got you, you know. It's like, you know, like, don't come back, you know, like, with my snow brush, you know. Like, yeah, that's right. And um, police show up. We end up finding out that they were just some contractors. Um, that, and this happens very common where we hired, like, a painting crew. Uh, but they subbed it out to another company. And they weren't supposed to come at night. They just wanted to do a night shift. So they were trying to get in with the lockbox, but they had no code and blah, blah, blah. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't work for us again. So, <laughs> yeah, they were uh, definitely worried about the snowbrush guy, right? <laughs> Making the most of every opportunity. That's what I want to talk about today is what it looks like to make the most of every opportunity. Maybe not doing exactly what I did, but there's a, there, there's a reality that in our spiritual lives, we need to make the most of the opportunities that are given to us. And every day, there is opportunities. So today, what I want to talk to you about is, this is a bit of like a level up day. Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, level up. Turn to the other one and say, you're going to level up more. All right. So in this passage in Ephesians, it's talking about how do we make the most of every opportunity. It doesn't say how many or how few. It doesn't say how small or how large. It just says make the most of every. This is what it says. And see, what's really important about this scripture is that the word opportunity in other translations is referred to as time. It's like redeeming time in another translation. That word time in the New Testament is translated in two Greek words. Kronos and Kairos. These are the two words that are used to refer to time. In this passage, opportunity, time, is being referred to as Kairos. 
See, I want to give you an understanding of this because chronos just really means duration. It just means seconds. It means like my appointment is 30 minutes. It means that time keeps moving on. Time doesn't stop. There's a clock right now. They gave me a very hard timeline for today. Time just goes on. It doesn't matter. Kairos moments is that there's divine, specific, appointed moments by God. That means that there's time and there's timely. There's things that there's seconds and there's significance. There's minutes, but that there's moments. We know this, like when you get married, it feels like time slowed down. You know, when your, your first child was born, that's a moment in time. There's kairos moments each and every day. And what I want to talk to you about is what it looks like to you for you to identify and find some of those Kairos moments in your life. What it looks like for you to understand that there's Kairos moments all around us each and every day. And I want to flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 14, a story that I love so much. I believe is going to give us an understanding for how we can do this. I want to show you the difference between father and son, King Saul and his son, Jonathan and an armor bearer that came with him. The difference between Kronos and Kairos. The difference between just living out your day versus living for God in each and every day. This is what it's about. Church, if there was a thousand people here just a couple weeks ago, that means that God's asking you to find the Kairos moments in each and every day that you have. There is people in our city right now, in Airdrie right now, that need you. That needs you. See, this is what it is. See, I want to give you some context before we jump into this. The context is is that Israel is being led by Saul. He's afraid and feeling hopeless. He's kind of like the struggle is for real right now. He's in defeat mode. He is curled up. We've been there. I've been there. Those moments where you're just feeling like, man, I've been defeated. Like things are not going my way. This is Saul right now. We find out that in the chapter before this, that the Philistines, his enemy, the like classic enemy, you know, of the Israel army, sent three companies of soldiers to stop the work of every blacksmith in Israel. The reason why they did that is because they wanted to stop all tools and weapons, all spears and every sword that was being made at the time. They said, ah, we're going to cut down this so that we can have easy targets for them. And in addition to that, their army was decimated. And now it was all the way down to 600 men. It was an army full of thousands and thousands, but at this point it was only 600. They stopped the manufacturing of swords, and the only two swords that the Israel army had at this time was with Jonathan, the son, and with their king, Saul. Two swords versus the Philistine army. The Philistine army at this time, they say that the soldiers were as many as the sand. That's a lot. That's a lot. The, the chariots range somewhere from three upwards to 30,000 chariots. This is the army they faced with 600 men and two swords. Two swords, 30 chariots. The odds are not good. The odds are not good. And so what I want to do is I want to read this over, and I think there's a couple things I want you to understand from this passage. I believe it's going to be encouraging. It's going to be strengthening. It's going to be uh, empowering for us as a church today is that Jonathan is where we want to get to, but I think Saul is where we usually live. When we're reading this, man, it's super easy to sometimes find the like good side of the story in the Bible and be like, that's me. Yeah. I, 
you know, I got that. And I was just feeling like as I was reading this, I'm like, man, I identify with Saul a lot more than I identify with Jonathan. But I want to be Jonathan. I want to be Jonathan in this story. I want to be Jonathan. I think what Saul didn't do is just as significant as what Jonathan did. And so we're going to jump into it. We're going to go from there. Verse, 1 Samuel 14, verses 1 and 2, it says this. One day, I think, you know, this is going to be really slow if I stop right there. i got a lot of verses. You know, today could be your day. One day. Like one day. This, this could be the day that things change. This could be the day. You might be here for the first time. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know who this guy is. I don't even heard anything about experience, church. Today could be your day. Today could be your day. One day. Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibba under a pomegranate tree in Migran. With him were about 600 men. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, notes are a good thing. It helps you remember stuff, not just to make me feel good, but it's for you. I tell my own staff that. I tell my own team that. Take notes. Lean in. The first one is the Kairos moment. Lesson number one of Kairos moments. Lesson number one is let's go. Action is always better than inaction. Action is always better than inaction. You know, I, I, I like this verse because he says, come, let's go. Now, if you don't know anything about me, I'm I, like, my, my go-to phrase is let's go. You know, <laughs> I did that with a little cheer with the team before. You know, I made a little like... Uh, Instagram reel on Easter of all the let's goes that were caught on video while I was recording. There was a lot more than I want to admit. Everybody knows that if you want like a good hype squad Quincy, you just come in and he just goes, let's go. But let's go works in a lot of things. This is a little sidebar. Okay, guys, I got to tell you, you, you cool with this? So let's go works as like hype. Let's go. Like that's the hype. Let's go. Right. Like you, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? This is biblical. It's in there. He said, come, let's go. Then there's like, let's go. You know, it's like the, like, let's go. You know? Then there's like the throwdown. Let's go. Like, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I kind of, I kind of feel like Jonathan was doing. Let's go. We got this. Action is always better than inaction. You know, the bottom line is don't be Saul. Don't be Saul. That's today what I want to talk to you about is, give you some lessons, but in the process, we have to understand what we don't want to be. We don't want to be Saul. See, Saul was sitting, sulking in the shade. You can literally throw shade on Saul because he was like in the shade under the tree. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like the king was sitting, just chilling. And not a good way, not like relax mode. He was scared. He was just hiding out. It says that he was on the outskirts. Saul was sitting on the sidelines. Think about that for a second. The king, the leader, was on the sidelines. Like, man, action's always better than inaction. You can't sit on the sidelines if you want to make a difference. You can't. Church, listen to me for a second here. This is, this is like the M.O. of Saul. Even all the way back to David and Goliath, he said this to David. He's like, are, you are only a boy. 
He sat on the sidelines and let a shepherd boy fight the fight for him. It's said in scripture that Saul was head and shoulders above the army. Like the dude was jacked. The dude had it going for him. He had the physical strength to be the man for the job, but he wasn't doing it. Saul sat on the sidelines. I, I, can, can I just say you're not going to win by sitting on the sidelines. You need, you need to get some skin in the game. I'm going to speak to you for a second here really practically. You can't sit in the sidelines with church. You know what? This church, you'll be uncomfortable if you come and you just sit in the same chair week after week and you don't start contributing. Like, but you know, it's my third week. Cool. But maybe make it your fourth week where you invest in here. You know, like, oh, I've been coming for a year. It's just like, it's, it's a good time for my family. No, 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 no. You can't sit on the sidelines with church. You can't own the win when you're just sitting. You need to get some skin in the game. Do next steps. Like, they've made it so easy for you. Get some skin in the game. Start serving. Start investing. Start being a part of what's happening here. I, I, I don't want to be a renter. I want to be an owner. Like, come on. That's like a kingdom principle there. You can't be in the sidelines in your marriage. There is too many people, too many spouses, just taking like a bench time. They've sit, they, you know what? I'm done. I worked hard for the first couple of years. I'm done. I'm, I'm sitting this out. I'm sitting this out. I, you know what? I deserve this. I deserve this. I'm not going to fight anymore. You know what? Marriage, I'm coming up to 17 years. It's a fight. You got to fight for it all the time. You know what? It's worth it, though. It's worth it. You can't sit on the sidelines in your marriage. You can't sit on the sidelines as a parent. You can't. Some of you are just like, you've, you've, you've moved the parenting to the other spouse. You said, you know what? Or you put it on like the youth pastor. <laughs> like, hey Wow, my kid. <laughs> it's like, no. You got to direct. You got to protect. You got to encourage. Like, man. I want my kids to love the Lord and to love being around me. Like, that's, that's what I want. But yeah, yeah, I'm still the dad. I still got to lay it down. You know, the sidelines in your job. You know what? Some people ask me, like, I just don't know how I could do better at my job. Show up early. <laughs> Maybe try there. Just start there. Do that for a week. I, I dare you. Take some initiative. Like, don't sit in the sidelines and allow other people. Some people, oh, I just don't know. I got an idea. Well, have you ever shared it? Have you ever talked about it? Have you ever asked your boss what would be a win for him? Don't sit in the sidelines. Don't sit in the sidelines in your city. When's the last time you've invited someone to church? When's the last time? I, I even take it to the next level. I only say inviting you brought someone to church. You can just say, hey, would you, you know, I've got a little church thing going on on Sunday. Here you go. It's like, no, you know what? My church is amazing. It changed my life. It's the best thing that's happening in the city. It's the best thing that's happening that I know of. You need to be there. I'm going to save a seat for you. I don't care when you're going to come. You're going to come. I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you in the room. You need to be there. Don't be on the sidelines. Are there sidelines on your faith? It's like next week, I think it's next week, you guys are doing baptism services, right? <laughs> baptism is an opportunity where you can make your faith public. You say, it's like the wedding ring. You know, it's like I wear a wedding ring because I'm making my commitment public 
That's what baptism is. It's saying, I want to make it public. I want to make it known to the world that I'm all in for Jesus. Don't sit in the sidelines. Don't just don't play church. Be it. You know, you got to get off the sidelines. Let's keep going here. I'm going to spend too much time with that. Verse 4. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Boaz and the other one was Seneth. One cliff stood to the north and one stood to the south. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. He said all this stuff and he said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. The lesson, the lesson number two is faith is required and risk comes with the territory. If you're going to do this faith journey, you're going to have to understand risk comes with it. Venue Church, we would rather you try and make a mistake than miss your God-given potential. Just do it. Trust God. Trust in who he is and take a step out. Pastor Corey and Aaron did the exact same thing by starting this church. Do it. Don't just hold back. Don't be a Saul and sit on the sidelines, and don't be a Saul, and make safety your priority. It's not your job to just safely arrive at death. Did you hear what I'm saying? It's not, that's not the only thing we're doing here, is just to safely arrive at death. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to come all in for God. We're saying, you know what, God, I'm going to put my fears aside and I'm going to do something. See, Jonathan and his armor bearer said, I'm going to go to that Philistine army. We're going to climb a cliff and we're going to fight them. This is what we're going to do. Perhaps, like their best confidence was a solid maybe. Perhaps God will act on our behalf. Maybe you just need to step out and believe that your maybe is enough. Your maybe is enough. Just do it. Just go the distance. Just say, God, I'm going to take the step in your direction. Can I speak to the planners in the room? I'm married to a planner. They over plan everything. You know, like every Thursday night she has like a plan for the weekend. <laughs> it's like, it's like what? <laughs> it's a weekend. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know we're planning this now. She has a plan for the weekend. And so I think it's really important. Plans are great and you should have plans until the point that you have to still start them. You still have to do something. Maybe God will act on your behalf. Let's keep going here. Jonathan said, come, then we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. This is like his great idea. I'm going to burn through this pretty quick, but it's really funny. If they say to us, wait, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and we'll not go up. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up the cliff. Because that will be our sign from the Lord has given us, that they've given, him, that they've given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me and the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer followed and killed him, behind, killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. The, second, the third Kairos moment lesson that you can learn is what seems like an obstacle could be your greatest opportunity. There was a, there was a massive cliff right in front of them. I don't know what the obstacle that's in your life, I don't know what you're facing right now, the cliff that's in your life, the thing that looks like it's hard to scale. It could be debt. 
It could be a, a broken relationship. It, it could be a struggle in your marriage. It, it could be a, a tension in some areas of your life. But I want you to know that that, great, that obstacle can become the greatest opportunity in your life. It can become a massive, massive deal. And when it looks like to don't be Saul, Saul was defeated by what he saw. See, Saul, Saul saw this cliff. And he's like, no, we can't do this. I got 600 men. How are they going to get up there? Jonathan said, I got one sword and I got a dude with me and we're going to do it because God's on our side. What he saw is a, wasn't an obstacle. It was an opportunity. And see, as we go through the rest of the story, we find that Jonathan and his armor bearer, they slayed all of the army. And in the, in the middle of them slaying this army, God brings an miraculous earthquake. And it says it brought panic to the rest of the army to the point where they started to kill each other thinking that it was the army against them. See, what's crazy about this whole story is that God rewards obedience with supernatural provision. See, when you take a step of faith in his direction, when you say, I want to seize every moment in front of me, if I want to look for the Kairos moments in my life, God is already setting it up for you. He's already bringing the miraculous provision. He's already getting ready to shake the earth around you. What you feel like you can't do on your own, God's saying, guess what? I got you. Don't be a Saul and be afraid. Don't be a Saul and sit in the sidelines. Don't be a Saul and say, I got it. I can see what I can see. I don't think this is the right time. See, what Saul was waiting for was certainty. Do you know what I want to just encourage you today? The one thing you can be certain of is who God is. You can be certain of who he is. He's good. His promises, there's a list of promises in his word of who God is. You know what you can be certain also of? Is that when you follow God, there's going to be uncertainties that come. (laughs) You can know who he is, but you may not know how it's going to happen. But we can know with confidence that we can trust in him. That's what faith is. It's saying, God, I'm going to trust you with my future, even though I have no idea what tomorrow's going to look like. I have no idea what next, next week's going to look like. Because I can trust you. Because I want to do something with my life rather than sit on the sidelines. See, what I, what I think is interesting about this whole passage and how we wrap it up today is that Saul came in at the very last minute as he started to see the panic around there. And he kind of came in to do like one of those trophy poses. He's like, I feel like Saul came in right when the last guy was doing the last dying breath. And he got to just in time to take a selfie, like standing on him. Like, oh, we crushed it. Don't, you know what? It's, it's always better to play paintball than to watch the action movie. It's always better to be in the story than to be the guy coming up at the end saying, yeah, we did it. Did you? Don't be that. See, today as we finish here, I'd love for you just to stand up with me. I just want to just read just one one quick thing. And I just want to pray with you. There's a study that was done about the distinction between two types of regret. The regret of action and inaction. And they found out over short term, we tend to regret actions. So over this last week, you probably regret the conversation that you went off the rails, the thing that you did wrong. But over long term, we actually regret inaction. 
They did a study of 50, 95 year olds and they asked them, hey, what would you do differently in your life? And every one of them said, I would risk more. I would reflect more. And I would do something that would leave a legacy with my life. You know what they regretted? They regretted inaction. They regretted the things that they didn't do, not the things that they did wrong. Guys, take a step out. If you fall, it's all good. You got a great church in front of you. Take a step out. Ask that person in the church. Pray for that family member. Believe for that miracle in their life. Because if you do that, I promise you that perhaps, just perhaps, God will act on your behalf. See, this is a Kairos moment. I believe there's Kairos moments everywhere. We're living right now, right at this moment on April 23rd, a Kairos moment. This is a moment where you can seize and say, God, I want to give it to you. I want to take a moment for you, Lord. I want to change my life for you. This is how it is. See, there, there, there's, another, there's another part of the Bible, Mark chapter 1, that talks about that Kairos word is used again in time. And this is John the Baptist was put in prison and Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news. And in verse 15 of chapter 1 of Mark, it says, The time, Kairos, has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. This is your opportunity. I want to pray with you if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. This is the first Kairos moment of your life. This is the first appointed time of your life to say, God, I'm going to give you this today. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask you just to close your eyes for a second. Bow your heads. This is a private moment. No one's looking around. No one's peeking. This is an opportunity where you can say, God, I want to start my life with you. I want to say right now that I want to take every opportunity in front of me. And this is your opportunity to say, God, I need you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray with you. But before I do that, I'm just going to ask, would you, would you be brave enough? I'm going to count to three. Would you be brave enough just to raise your hand just so I can see who I'm praying with? And then we're going to pray all together. So one, today is the day. Two, it's time to seize the opportunity. Three, would you make a decision to follow Jesus? I see a hand raised. I see another hand raised. I see another hand. Multiple hands being raised today. Wow. Incredible. 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 Would you just put your hands down? Church, venue church, we're going to do this together. We're going to say this all together. Would you repeat this after me? Jesus, I come to you and I want to start my life with you at the center. I ask for forgiveness of all my sins and I want to seize the moment today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give it up for everybody who made that decision.